Good morning, everyone. I see you were good and got your clock set correctly and we're here on time. Uh, I was actually here in the fall when we fell back. So I kind of come on weird Sundays. I seem to do like Labor Day weekends and Memorial Day weekends and changes of time. I don't know what that's all about, but that, that's kind of my deal here, I guess. Uh, we are in our second Sunday of Lent, and our topic today is Blinded by Pride. And so before we, we begin, I'd like everybody here to just think in their mind's eye what comes to you when you hear the word pride? What visions do you see? Do you, do you picture people? Do you picture yourself? Are these good thoughts, bad thoughts, maybe a little of both? As I prepared for my message this week, I want to be honest with you about something. Uh, I was actually supposed to give the message two weeks from that today. And through a certain, uh, some circumstances, we were asked if we could swap some days around. And I remember last fall when they kind of laid out the subjects for the teachings this year. Um, and they asked us what Sundays we might want to uh, uh, teach on. I saw this day on Pride, and I did not want to give this message uh, at all. In fact, of all the messages, I, that's the only one I remembered. Nah, that's not for me. So here I am. So uh, I, I, and the reason for that is pride is a big problem for me. So I'm going to be open and honest with you about that from the start. I, uh, I would say I probably uh, was more convicted myself as I prepared for this message than probably any message I've, I've been prepared for in the past. So I'm going to ask you to be a little understanding today. I've, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm going to, in some ways, share some things about myself. So, but I'm also going to provide a lot of quotes and a lot of scripture references because I want you to understand where truth lies. And it's not just what I'm going to be telling you. So I've, I've, as a good attorney, I've got a lot of footnotes. <laughs> so pride is something that most everybody, and I would say everybody, deals with in one way or another. It may be obvious, it may be subtle, but there was a sermon that I listened to in preparation for today where the minister got up and asked everybody who who had a problem with pride to please raise their hands. And as he looked across the room, he said, all of you that raise your hands, this message is for you today. But this message is especially for those of you that did not. <laughs> because as I can speak from experience, pride is something that you don't always realize and recognize what's happening inside of you. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So what is pride? We all know terms like arrogance and conceit and vanity, but pride is really something else. Pride is enmity. It is a, a hostility in some ways to things that are not you. Pride causes us to look down on people 
and things and circumstances. And when you're looking down, you're not able to see the things that are above you. The opposite of pride is humility, which is a virtue all of us Christians are called to embrace and to uh, exhibit in our lives. And it is not an easy thing to do. So one of the things that I found an interesting little story what is, when I was trying to figure out what does pride look like? Well, there was a preacher and he received a Christmas card from one of his congregants, one of his parishioners. And in this Christmas card, this woman told him what a wonderful minister he was, how she thoroughly enjoyed his messages, and she compared him to the likes of Billy Graham. She, she called him a phenomenal preacher. And so he took this card, and he, and he showed it to his wife, and his, and his wife asked, who is this lady? And he said, well, she's a very devout and learned member of our congregation. And he asked his wife the question, he says, how many phenomenal preachers do you suppose there are in this world? And his wife immediately said to him, I have no idea. I only know that it's one fewer than you think. <laughs> so here's my deal with pride. I believe that every sin, every uh, struggle, every problem I've had with regard to my faith is rooted in pride. I believe that, and after preparation for this message this week, I believe that more than I ever have before. Pride is, it permeates things. It, it causes you to change your mind, and, and my pride has caused me to make decisions, to behave in certain ways, and to treat others in ways that have hurt relationships. Some of the most important relationships in my life have been damaged because of my pride. And the, 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 the truth is, I didn't really realize that it was pride that was my problem. Some of you have known me since I was young and probably knew of my pride problem long before I did. But I continue. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Anytime I think that things aren't going my way, I try to stop and think about how pride and my desire for things to be my way it's impacting me. And it's a, it's, a, it's a continual walk. But we're going to talk a little bit more about what happens to the proud as we go forward. I want to turn to a reading. I did not use the reading that's in our uh, bulletin today because I didn't really think that it talked about pride the way I was hoping it would. So I took some uh, liberties here and changed the reading. Uh, we'll stay in Luke, but we're in chapter 18, uh, verses 9 through 13. If you're in the uh, Bibles here, it's on page 1038. And uh, I'd invite you to hear the word of God. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He could not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So, that kind of behavior doesn't always strike you as pride, but if you're looking at it and expecting it, you can see the difference between the two men and how pride impacted the way this Pharisee, the most learned group of Jews that there were, was blinded by his pride. So, I went through and kind of a, mapped out some things uh, that are signs of whether pride is impacting your life. Some things that I can say yes to at one time or another, almost every one of these. Is your prayer life spotty? I mean, are you actively seeking God's involvement in your life and talking with him and are you aware of your need for him constantly? Do you get angry or do you have a harsh spirit? Do you get irritated because of others ever? Do you talk about others sometimes to kind of lift yourself up? Do you find fault in others? I read that the biggest distance between two people is pride. Are you defensive? Do you wonder why you're not recognized for your contributions or what you do? Or if somebody questions you about what you're doing, do you dig your heels in and justify it in one way or another? Do you claim responsibility for the successes or blessings in your life because of your hard work, or do you give it to the source of all blessings? 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And James, the brother of Jesus, says in Chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Are you unwilling to associate with certain people? In Romans 12, verse 16, Paul says, to live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position." When you read the Bible, do you read it with the intent to try to find support for your position? Or do you read it 
to maybe see something in a different way and to see and find out if God's trying to talk to you in, the, in where you're at. These are all things that are symptoms or signs that pride might be working in your life. You know, the funny thing about pride is the more we have it, is the more we dislike it in other people. So think about that one. So how do we recognize pride? How do we apply pride and recognize it in our lives? I want to go to another reading in Luke chapter 22. It's on page 1044, just a little bit from where we were. Uh, verses 24 through 27. Also a dispute arose among as to which of them, this was the, these were the disciples, the apostles, was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to him, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? the one who is at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Pride has been going on since the beginning of time. And it impacts everybody in every walk of life, including Jesus' closest friends and followers. Pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Pride is what caused Adam and Eve to fall. Pride impacted the Israelites as they left Egypt and started to take over the promised land. It's happened since the beginning of time. And as C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, said, Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Pride prevents us from seeing the truth. It blurs the lines, and we start to justify things and prevents us from recognizing that things are a result of God's glory as opposed to the circumstances we're dealing with on a daily basis. We're so focused internally that we can't see, which creates blindness. Anything real or imagined can be a, uh, a source or, or where we apply pride. It can have to do with our, 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 our education, our wealth, our status, our authority, our faith. Do we ever think that maybe we got things going on a little bit better than another church in town? Or that maybe our interpretation is better than somebody else's? And the reality of it is, even in our humility, we can have pride. Again, I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis. There can be no sure proof of a confirmed pride than to believe that one is sufficiently humble. 
I don't know when I received this book, but this is a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. If you have not read this book, I recommend it highly. C.S. Lewis is a famous author, um, and he's written many Christian uh, fiction books, or not even Christian uh, fiction books, but he came to faith later in his life, and he's a brilliant writer. And this book was a gift from my brother to me when I was starting to become a little bit more interested in this whole thing called Jesus. And C.S. Lewis, uh, this is probably his most famous apologetic book, which is a book to try to kind of convince people that Christianity is legit. Okay, He has a chapter in this book on pride. It's awesome. I read it three times yesterday. The title of the chapter, The Great Sin. C.S. Lewis asserts that pride is the one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone loathes when they see it in others, but which hardly any people imagine they are guilty of themselves. It's hard to see, but it's there. And here's the deal, folks. God hates Pride. You want proof? Excuse me. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, lists six things that God hates, seven things that that are detestable to him. And you know what number one on the list is? Number one on the list is haughty eyes. Haughty is uh, being disdainful or arrogant, or superior. It's a head of shedding uh, innocent blood. It's a head of lying. It's a head of stirring up strife for others, or evil intents. Number one. Proverbs 8, chapter 13 says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, evil behavior and perverse speech. We've all probably heard the pride before the fall uh, scripture. The message has a great way to put it. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And here's the deal. We're going to get into how we deal with our pride. But just to set a little uh, uh, thing to think about, if you don't deal with it, God will. I can tell you from experience We'll get to that in a moment. Why does God hate, so, hate pride so much? Well, let's talk about someone that loves it. And that is the devil. He loves it. You guys all, if you've heard my message before, know I like movies. I don't know if you remember the movie The Devil's Advocate, which had Keanu Reeves and uh, Al Pacino as the devil. He said it in that movie, pride is his favorite sin. The devil loves it if you overcome struggles or sins in your life and take pride in the fact you have. Because all those things that you've overcome are nothing 
compared to the impact of pride. And why does God hate pride so much? Because it truly separates us from God. We think we can start controlling things, handling things, doing things, helping things on our own, and, and, and we need him less and less and less and less. There's not any other sin that separates us from God as much as pride. And it's the reason I believe that pride is kind of the groundwork for all other sins that we struggle with. Jesus said, I'm going to paraphrase, the two greatest commandments were to love God with everything that we got and love others as much as we love ourselves. And pride precludes both. Where are you left? You know who else loves pride? The world we live in. Okay? Let's be honest with each other. We want our leaders to be strong and, and, and confident and exude behaviors that just, that we want them to be proud people. We don't like it. We wish that they'd be a little bit nicer, but we want our leaders to be strong and we want them proud. It's hard to swallow your pride because, you, because of how people are going to look at you. Oh, you're a wimp. You don't really care. Pride is what we use to, to build our influence on others, to build our success. But we Christians are, again, too focused on external things. What's wrong with this world? What's wrong with those people? Why aren't things better? Things should be different. But guys, we're exiles. Okay, we're supposed to be throwing off the shackles of this world. We should, we're supposed to be less controlled or impacted by that. We're supposed to live with a mindset focused on the kingdom. Our focus should be internal. What can we be doing better? What should we be doing differently? Here's a question that just hit me to the core. When you feel someone has treated you wrong, how do you respond? Do you respond with anger? or sorrow? Do you talk about them to others and say, what is wrong with these people? Or do you look within? Do you consider how you and your sin might have contributed to the situation a little bit? Do you extend forgiveness even if it hasn't been asked? Why is it so hard for us to see the cross of Christ in our life. So how do we overcome this, this, this sin of pride? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the good news is 
If you don't deal with it, God will. He, he will. The message, scripture that I just read. The crash will come. And it came to me. And, and it, is, it, it stinks. Because if you deal with it, and you are convicted by it, you know that you've hurt people that you love. You know that you've probably done things that will be impacting your relationships for as long as these people know you. And you're going to see yourself in an entirely different way. I didn't have an, I didn't have a clue that what I was doing was as bad as it was. Or how I was behaving, the way I was thinking, the way I was treating people. I, 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 I didn't know. But I do now. And it, it, it impacts me every single day. And it's the biggest, it's the biggest struggle I have for self-forgiveness because of the way I messed up. It was so, so crazy. So again, what if we want to avoid that? Well, the first thing we need to do is look at the, ex the example that was provided to us through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is who we are all as Christians called to be more like, correct? So let's turn to Philippians 2. It's on page 1162. We're going to go through chapters 4 through 11. <clears throat> Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus is who we can look to. This is a guy that was God, and he became a little baby. And not a little baby in some royal family somewhere, a little baby in a little, to, to an unmarried woman in a little teeny town. And as he grew, he hung out with, he broke bread with, and he taught people of every social level, 
Every stripe, every color, you name it. He didn't discriminate against this, against people. And he died instead of succumbing to pride. The other way we start to deal with it is we have to repent. And you can't repent unless you recognize it. Had a conversation recently with some family members. And it reminded me that one of the biggest problems we have with our stuff and overcoming our things, one of the biggest problems I had was because this is the way God made me. I was born this way. But we forget. We as Christians are called to die to ourselves. Okay, this is huge. This is a biggie here. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest things in, the, in, 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 our, in our Christian faith that we're dealing with within this church and with others is the issue of how do we deal with people who were made and born a certain way? God made them this way. How do we deal with it? When we, we need to talk about who are these people possibly going to become? I'm going to tell you right now. If I was behaving the way God made me, I would not be here. I don't mean here. I mean I would not be in this church. I would not be with my family. And I don't think I'd probably be in this town. God made me in ways that I know I'm not supposed to be. You got to recognize that. You got to quit using that as an excuse. Dying in scripture is never dying to yourself in scripture is never portrayed as easy, but it's also never given as an option. Don't believe me? Listen to Luke. Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. John also says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said this in John, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What do these things mean? These things mean that if we are going to be true followers of Christ, we have got to change. It's not optional. Do you understand this? you got to be able to recognize it before you can repent from it. But it's a big deal. Another quote that I read, the consistent thinking among Christian teachers, leaders, and saints is that pride is the essential vice. The utmost evil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. I think I've made that impression enough today. I hope I have. But it's bad stuff, folks. 
my man C.S. Lewis said that pride is the cause of the most misery in every nation and in every family in the world. So we use Jesus as an example. We recognize and repent from our behavior. And then we ask God to help us out. Okay? Pray to God. Tell him what your struggles are. Ask him to bring the Holy Spirit to you to change your heart. If nothing else, ask him to reveal to you ways that pride is keeping you from him. you got to ask for help. Because remember, trying to do things on your own is a form of pride. God didn't want you to have to do that. And, and finally, we've got to die to ourselves. We've got to start to put on the cloak and the heart of humility. So I'm going to call up the praise team as I finish here, the worship team, and talk about four things that I think you can start to try to bring humility into your life through. Number one, accept reality with contentment. Accept what the situation is, what your circumstances are, who you are, Better yet, who God sees you as. And be satisfied. Don't always be trying to think about what they're up to or what they've been able to accomplish. Try some contentment in your life. Become more approachable. Reach out to others. I have learned so much from people that 10 years ago I didn't even know existed. And quite frankly, at that point, probably didn't want to know. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride causes disagreements, but the wise take advice from others. Seek counsel. Start a conversation. There's this group in Africa that a missionary was trying to learn about the different ways to uh, explain forgiveness in other countries. And he didn't know what word to use because everybody uses different words or series of words. But he learned in this one African village that their term for forgiveness uh, translated to English to talk with. To talk with. Because if you have forgiven somebody, you can have a conversation with that person. Talk with. Is there anybody that you can't talk with right now? Maybe that's the person you ought to try to reach out to. Number three, minimize the eyes. I as the letter I, as in I. 
It's the favorite word of the proud. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. More of God, less of me. And finally, pass the praise to the one that deserves it. Acknowledge that what you have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is a gift from above. Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, you did not earn that. But acknowledge your Father in heaven. Because I'm telling you folks, and this is, this is the clearest truth I've ever said up here. If you don't deal with it, God will. And I'm telling you, you want to start dealing with it. 